Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, we're going to begin today's message. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. I'm going to read them here. It says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, in verse 24 here, Jesus is, he's posing this question here to us. You know, he's talking to the disciples and he's saying, you know, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must first deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So Jesus is asking us to do these three different things in order to be his disciples. And if you don't know what the word, you know, disciple means, maybe that word's a little new to you. It really just means a personal follower or a student of Jesus's life. So in order to, do, to be his disciple, if we kind of zoom out and look at this, is really what's required of us here is obedience. He's asking us to obey what he's asking of us. And an act of obedience in order to deny ourselves, right? To take up our cross and follow him. And Jesus is requiring this obedience from us in order to do what he's asking. And I think it's important for us to establish this this understanding, if you will, of obedience before God. And, you know, I think we can all agree that we've, you know, struggled uh, maybe with obedience at some point in our lives. You know, maybe... The most obvious would be maybe with your parents growing up, right? Whether you had a great relationship with your parents or maybe a not so good one with your parents, we all probably struggle to obey or that whole concept of obedience in some way or another. And I think we can all agree that we've had that tension and we've experienced it uh, with obedience in our lives. You know, we've all dealt uh, personally with obedience in other aspects as well. And I know culturally, what I've seen, at least in my generation for sure, is kind of more of a a negative view at times towards obedience, especially uh, of those in authority, right? That maybe all authority, you know, it needs to be broken down. We, we, it's, you know, there's some type of hype about going against people in authority, or, you know, maybe there's other views about people in authority just wanting to control, or people in authority just don't want what's best for us. They don't know. And obviously, in some cases, this can be very true, but also in a lot of cases, it cannot be true. And how we view God now, I think a result of this can sometimes be reflected, uh, sometimes this view, sorry, this negative view can sometimes be reflected in our obedience towards God. You know, this negative view of authority and how we view the authority he has over our lives. You know, maybe, maybe you've built a hesitancy towards God and his word. Maybe you've you know, built an idea that we think we might know better and can pick and choose what we want to obey or not obey based on our own arguments and our own ideas. Uh, our obedience needs to start with a proper understanding of God's lordship, that he is God and we are not, and we want to serve him. And we have to come to this understanding that God requires this full obedience from us and our lives. And, and if you don't understand this concept of you know, God's holiness and his lordship and this need for us to have his, uh, our obedience, I want you to go back and watch the message from about three weeks ago of Nathan Finocchio to get really a proper understanding of God's holiness and his lordship and our obedience. It's super important to this. 
Now back to this tension some of us uh, face when it comes to obedience is maybe you've you know, developed a negative sense of obedience towards authority in your life in some way or another. You know, maybe you've experienced abuse over power in your life, right? Maybe it was, there's a legitimate form of abuse of authority, whether it was a parent, uh, maybe it was a boss at work or a teacher growing up or a leader, just some form of authority. It really just it left a bad taste in your mouth about what it meant to obey someone. And it just brings us, again, this, this bad taste over the bad use of authority over you. But now today when we look at scripture and when we hear words like, you know, God requires us obedience of us, you know, it doesn't really excite us. It's not really something that makes us feel passionate about maybe. It's not really this like feel good, hey, let's talk about obedience thing. But when we look at Matthew 16 and we see Jesus asking us for an act of obedience to be his disciples, right? He's asking us to die to ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. Now the first one, denying yourself, is obviously a very important part of our faith. Jesus calls everyone who wants to be a believer, then they must need to put aside their natural tendencies towards selfishness. Really dying to self, it's a call to complete surrender over our own desires. And it's a call to say that, you know, I don't rule my life, but I'm gonna allow God to rule my life. All right, so we, we die to ourselves. And the next one was take up your cross. Now, when he says, take up your cross in Matthew 16, um, Here's the thing. I've heard people use this context of taking up your cross and it gets misused a lot of times where people say, you know, uh, that's not, this is, uh, I need to take up my cross. Like that's my cross to bear. Almost as if they're talking about a burden in their life. Maybe it's a situation. They're like, oh, you know, that, you know, what's going on with my kid right now? That's just my cross to bear. And I need to go through that. And really it's kind of a misuse of the word where it's not meant to be a burden, but uh, a difficult situation to cross the bear. I want to give you a proper context of what Jesus is talking about here when he says you need to carry your cross. Really, he's speaking to the times where taking up your cross was the most humiliating and inhumane way to die at his time. So the, the worst of the worst people, it was about them taking up your cross and just being humiliated and tortured, and that's how they died. So when we think about Jesus using that as an example now of obedience, it kind of has a lot of weight on it, if you really think of it. It's something to be taken very seriously because Jesus here, he was predicting his death to his disciples. And in this verse, Jesus is, he's marking the beginning of a new phase of his mission. From now on, the mission became all about Jesus's approaching his death and his disciples had to learn to live with this new perspective that the end was near. Now, to summarize taking up your cross, it, it means being willing to give up you know, our own desires, being willing to die in order to follow Jesus and see his mission fulfilled. Now, I'm sorry for starting it a little heavy here. I know it kind of seems weird. You're just like, what are you asking us as? You just want to ask us if we're supposed to die and then just be okay with it. No, don't worry. I'm not trying to just lay this heaviness on you today but, or drop this weight on you. But what I really think is important is just Jesus is understanding Jesus's heart and attitude towards this scripture and understanding our need for obedience and how we need to be willing to literally be stripped of everything and be willing to die in order um, to move forward in obedience from what, the, what his heart and what he's trying to say. He's asking us really to fully surrender our selfishness. He's asking us to be willing to be humiliated and stripped of everything in order to follow him. And this call to us as a believer, a follower of Christ, I just want to kind of look practically today at it, at full obedience to God and to what God, what it really looks like in our own lives and just really dive into this a bit more practically and how we can live out of obedience to God every day in our lives. John, I want to turn to John chapter 14, 21 through 23. It says this, 
Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. All right, number one in your notes today is this, is we obey God because we love him. We obey God because we love him. You know, when we think of the negative, you know, culture views uh, of obedience, and we hear people say sometimes that we don't need to obey people. There's, you know, there's this, one, on one hand I see is this need to not obey people. And then on the other hand, we see this other, you know, cultural viewpoint of that we got to love everyone. So obey no one, love everyone. You know, obedience is not required, but love always is. But when we look at the message of Jesus, it looks much different here in John 14 that we just read, where God, he's taking these two things and he's tying them together. He's saying, you obey me because you love me. Now, the reason you obey me and follow me is out of love and it's out of our relationship with him, right? The more you fall in love with me, the more you're going to obey my commands and follow me is really what the scripture is about. And we have to realign our thinking uh, towards God when it comes to our obedience. Because Christians having, you know, when I think of Christians in general and having conversations, um, when it comes to obedience, it's not exactly like, you know, a popular topic, right? So if I'm talking to you about, you know, what God's doing in your life, I might ask, you know, what's God been doing in your life or, or what are you believing for right now? But you, it would be pretty uh, not normal for me to say, you know, have you been obeying God this week? How's that been looking for you? Or, you know what I mean? Or, how are the Ten Commandments looking? You know, it was going okay. You know, three and four is really a struggle right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not in our normal uh, conversation. And uh, we're not, here's the thing is we're not talking about obedience just as a person in authority, but biblical obedience is done, not done out of obligation, but it's a place rooted of love towards him. Our obedience to God is not a matter of duty, but it's a matter of love to him. It's not a matter of duty, but it's a matter of love for him. John 14, 23 says this, we obey him because we love him. We obey him because we love him. You know, when I, when I think of my own life and I think of, you know, the different situations that I, I've been in or different choices that I had to make, it's interesting to look back on the ones that I'm really like, okay, um, you know, I'm really happy with what I did there and, and what went on in my life. And there, there's always a really close alignment with knowing that I was doing it out of obedience to what God wanted over in my life versus what it wasn't. Where I can look back on ones or other situations where I might've, you know, regretted it or wish I had done something differently. And it was never rooted out of this place of obedience. It was always, it was always the opposite. I want to read, uh, read Matthew 22 here that, that, I just want to sorry, reiterate that, that obedience needs to come from this love towards him because every decision in your life is going to require uh, obedience, whether you realize it or not, to be in alignment with what God wants for you. Matthew 22, 36 through 39 says this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is telling us, number one, it's, hey, love me. Number two, love others. Number two in your notes, our obedience requires us to love others. Our obedience requires us to love others. You know, in this scripture in Matthew 22, uh, the Pharisees, they're talking to Jesus and they're asking him questions and they're, they're kind of poking at Jesus's understanding of the commandments. And 
Jesus decides to respond by focusing on two halves, breaking the commandments into two halves. So he says, he summarizes it by saying, we have a duty to God to love God, and now we have a duty to others. So we have a duty to love God and a duty to love others. And Jesus really, he gives them this as a foundation for their living by, by summing, sorry, summing up their duty as love. And I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed when you, you, know, when you go into a bookstore, whether it's an Indigo or a Chapters or whatever, you can always find these different self-help sections, or even online, if you're looking on Amazon or something like that. You always see these different self-help sections that are literally full of books, tons of different books on stuff. But I don't think I've ever actually seen a section that's a help others section. You know what I'm talking about? It's always the word self-help and never uh, self, uh, sorry, helping others. And I think it's important to recognize that is because Jesus wants to speak to that because he knows that this is, this is our disposition, is that we have always this self-focus uh, on our own self-help, but it's never towards helping others. And I think that's why Jesus makes this so clear in this verse here is that he wants us to work out of our natural tendencies to live a life that is helping and loving others. And it's not to say self-help is bad. There's obviously great books and great things out there, there, but I think that's an interesting thing to note in our lives that this is not a natural place for us as a society is to look at helping others before ourselves. You know, I understand that loving others is so much easier said than done. You know, in order to love our friends, our family, you know, people with different opinions, political views, what it really requires, it requires constant forgiveness. It requires constant forgiveness. You know, just like the Lord's Prayer says, I remember every day in elementary school, we would, we would sing, O Canada first, and then we would do the Lord's Prayer. And it says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Matthew 6, 14 says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. You know, God's challenging us to forgive others just like we want him to forgive us. He understands that this is a difficult thing for us. And obviously humans are imperfect and people are gonna do bad things to us and they're gonna continue to do that in the future. But when we are willing to constantly forgive others, it's part of loving God and it's a part of loving others. Obedience to God's, Obedience to God, sorry, it means putting his commandment to love others really above our own ego and bitterness towards them. Because I know for me, when people do wrong to me, it always gets rooted in this ego and bitterness that I have. And really God's command is to love others above all of that. It's all about constant forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says this, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You know, when we talked about denying ourselves in Matthew 16 at the beginning, you know, denying yourself can really be defined as seeking the good of others before looking out for yourself. Romans 15, one to three says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. You know, the scripture is teaching us to deny ourselves for the sake of those who are weak in faith. People who don't have the same relationship with Christ that you do. Again, this this call to obedience, uh, to look at others, needs to be before our own needs. You know, when you're willing to sacrifice your time and and your energy, your your position, your rights, your your reputation and privileges and comforts, um, even or even obviously the very sake of your own life for Christ, is that this is really what it means to be obedient in denying ourselves. We have to love him. We have to love others. Number three in your notes is this. 
Obedience is grounded in humility. Obedience is grounded in humility. So there's also this ditch to obedience to God that we see Jesus address in Matthew as he's talking to the Pharisees. And, you know, the Pharisees in Jesus's time, they were relentless about the obedience to the law of Moses in the Old Testament. So what happened is they actually became really self-righteous, believing that they deserved heaven because of what they had done. You know, they considered themselves worthy of their actions and they, they believed that they, they were basically owed a spot in heaven because of their works and what they would do. And in Matthew chapter 23, 27 through 28, Jesus is speaking to them here and he says this, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness.'" Your attitude of obedience is as important as the act of obedience. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here is that it's not all about what you're doing externally, but what's also going on internally. And the, the, sorry, the Pharisees' obedience was lacking something here. And Jesus really exposed their heart and their attitude. And externally, it looked like they were doing everything right out of obedience, but internally, they were just so full of self-righteousness and pride. And in Matthew 23, 23, it says, Again, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, which are all great spices, by the way, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You know, Jesus is saying to them, you know, your tithing is happening. That's all great but you're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness, all these internal factors of what was going on in their attitude and in their hearts, right? He's saying their attitude was trash here, that Jesus calls them out. He cares about your obedience in him and what it's really rooted out of, right? Is it rooted out of self-righteousness and thinking you're better than others? Or is it rooted out of pride maybe? I think that's where I struggle with most, you know what I mean? When I feel like I'm doing things for God or doing good things, then I realize, oh, I'm probably doing something that not a lot of other people are doing. And it's really what it comes down to is I'm building up my own pride and my own self-righteousness, thinking that putting myself in a position where I think I'm doing better than others, and it's something that God always wants me to check my heart on and making sure, you know, my actions aren't rooted out of pride or self-righteousness. And I just want to encourage you in that understanding that our obedience to love God and to love others always needs to be rooted in humility. Number four in your notes is this. Obedience requires prayer. Obedience requires prayer. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 17 says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, this scripture here is telling us to pray continually in all circumstance. You know, this verse here, it was, it was actually part of a series of commands from Paul indicating the basis for Christian living. It was meant for all Christians. He stresses doing this all the time and in all circumstances. And also Paul adds here at the end that this is God's will for your life in Jesus Christ. It's his will for you to be, to be thankful and to be uh, bringing your pray, prayer to him. I want to read here... Um, Sorry, back to 1 Thessalonians here. Really, he's asking us to do three things here. He's saying to be joyful, pray continually, and be thankful. And if you're feeling that you're struggling with this understanding or, or practicing obedience in your life, I just want to encourage you today to start leading into your prayer life. You know, your prayer life is a form 
of obedience. It's really where God loves to just start doing things in your heart when you take time to be uh, alone with him and pray just you and him. God loves to speak things into your heart uh, through the Holy Spirit in this time uh, with him. Philippians chapter four, verse six says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God is asking us to pray here. You know, when we pray and we make requests to God to do it with thanksgiving. And I know, again, like we talked about earlier, we're saying, you know, we're all going through some type of season that we're looking for God to do something, just like when we were singing that song earlier. You know, whether it's a healing in your life or maybe it's a money situation or, or relationship or emotional need, God asks us to, to present our request to him with thankfulness. You know, two years ago, um, I preached a message around this exact same time in August. Um, me and Adam did it together and we called it Don't Waste Your Waiting. And I shared how my wife and I had been struggling for two and a half years trying to have our second child. And, you know, God really, we felt like God was really challenging us to not waste our season of waiting in that, we, you know, we knew God was still working in our season no matter how long it was going to take. And I remember when I, my daughter started to get to about the age uh, of four, it was really obvious to her that, you know, other kids had siblings and she didn't. And, you know, she really wanted one. And, you know, it became something that, you know, every time when we would go to bed at nighttime, that would be our time that we would pray together with her. And it'd be our opportunity to, you know, pray over different needs that were going in our life. And that was my time to help, you know, engage her faith and have her pray with us for another child. And, you know, as we did this, as we'd pray every night and just kind of ask God for um, different things that we needed in life, you know, something God slowly started to really reveal to me was how I was centering our prayer with her on what we didn't have. So I was teaching her that when we pray at nighttime, it was all about our needs being met from God. And when we look back at this Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that I needed to uh, reshape this for her and understanding that when we pray to God, we're thanking him for what we do have and what he's already done in our life. And then we're also asking him for the things we do need. So our prayer time had to change from, you know, God, we just thank you so much for our home. We thank you so much for our family, um, for all the blessings you have in our life. And God, we are also believing for another sibling uh, for Jayla, Lord God. And it became such a special part in shifting her relationship with God around what, you know, what she did have and not all about what she did not have. It was about Thanksgiving, like this verse in Philippians is saying. Now, fast forward to today, actually, after four and a half years, we are now pregnant, which is good. Um, yes, we have another baby girl coming. Uh, uh, we're just in our, what are we in? Second trimester, that's what you call it. So uh, just in the early stages of that, and we're so thankful for God's answer to our prayers. So I get, when I, I have to preach, I don't sleep. And when I don't sleep, I get emotional. So then I just get all like weird. But um, uh, just a quick disclosure why. Um, uh, but yes, we're so, so thankful for that. Uh, I want to loop back here, kind of go full circle to what we talked about at the beginning in Matthew 16. Now, I want to relook at this verse one more time. I'm going to read it from the top, from verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. I think this verse 27 here is so important, what God's saying here. Number five in your notes is this. God wants to bless your obedience. God wants to bless your obedience. And that's really what he's saying here in verse 27. Right? You got to remember that, that God, he's this loving father that wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your friendships, your, your families, your careers, your kids, your finances, everything going on in your life. And when we look at Matthew 16 here, God's, he's really giving us a formula for obedience to him. And he's saying, we need to not deny ourselves, right? We need to give up our selfishness. We need to be willing to sacrifice our life, do whatever, and then follow him. And then he says, I'm going to reward your life because of it. And I think that is such a crucial um, uh, concept to understanding our obedience with God. And, and maybe this concept of obedience is difficult for you, but what I want to challenge you and I want to remind you is just remember, remember God's position as a father. You know, as a father, and I'm sure other dads here can relate and other parents, sorry, that can relate to this, is that, you know, when we ask our kids to do things, we want them to obey us. It's not rooted out of this place of I'm the authority over your life. I want you to do what I ask with no questions asked. No, it, it's not out of that. But really what it is, is for example, when I, you tell you know, your three-year-old not to put the hand on the stove, it's because you don't want them to burn their hand, right? The three-year-old obviously doesn't understand you know, what, what, could the hap- what could happen because of that. And that's really how God is viewing us. And he, and he knows the things that we don't know in our lives. And he's looking for obedience from us because he wants to guide us, it's because he doesn't want us to be hurt. And he wants what's best for our lives. And it's such a, an important part of our faith is understanding that God is continually looking for this, for this obedience from us, but not out of a place of authority, but really out of a place of he's a loving heavenly father and, and he wants our lives to be transformed because of him. You know, he's gone before you and he knows what's best for your life. And this is really where we ground our obedience in him. Uh, actually, I was reading something yesterday I saw on social media and it was talking about uh, worship and obedience and this kind of correlation between the two. And really what they were talking about in this post I saw was that, you know, worship is not reduced um, to only our time where we sing and praise and worship together, just like we've done this morning. You know, obviously it is that. It is us gathering and singing and, and your time in your own week where you praise and worship God. But really rooted in this scripture of Matthew 16, worship is us choosing to surrender ourselves to God and take up our crosses and follow him, you know, Monday to Sunday, is that our worship isn't reduced to just singing together, but it's really about how we live our lives, is that our obedience to God is also a form of worship. It's one of the main things that worship really is, and it's who we are throughout the week and how we love God and how we love others is so rooted in our obedience. Can we just stand together this morning? I just want to pray over this. And I know that each of us, again, are going through, you know, whatever type of season it is in our life that maybe we just started or just finishing. And it's going to require some obedience from us in one way or another of what God really has for us. So can we just all bow our heads together? I just want to pray over you this morning. Father, right now, I just pray over each and every one of us in this room right now, Lord God, and everybody who's also watching online as well. God, you know what we're going through, Lord God. You know what we are needing. You understand what we are asking for in our lives that that only you can do, Lord God, that we can't do on our strength, but only on your strength, Lord God. God, right now, we just pray over just a heart of obedience towards you, Lord God, that's rooted out of humility, Lord God, just to what you want for us, Lord. We just look to you, Lord God, 
as just our, our Father, Lord God, that can only guide us in the things that we don't know, Lord God. And we have to rely on your strength and your understanding over what you want over our lives, Lord God. I pray for each and every person, Lord, who's about to face some type of fork in the road that's only um, gonna be solvable because of you, Lord God. I just pray right now for your blessing over each and every one of us as we walk through faith, Lord, to see what you want to do in our lives. In your name, amen, amen. Hey, I wanna pray uh, one more prayer today. And, you know, maybe you've never actually made this decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you're not a Christ follower yet. But what I want you to understand about salvation and following Jesus is that there's there's no obedience you can do to earn this. This is not something to be earned, but salvation is God's gift to you, that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins so that you can have eternal life. And this is something that can never be earned, but it's a gift, but this gift, it has to be received. You have to invite Jesus into your life. And this is something that only you can do and that only you can uh, agree with and accept. So let's bow our heads together again. And if you're in the room right now and, and you really feel like, like this is you, that God wants to work in your life and you wanna receive this gift of salvation, with all of our heads bowed and eyes closed, you can just slip up your hand right now and just agree with me that, hey, this is the gift of salvation that I wanna receive. I wanna have eternal life in Jesus. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we're all gonna pray together uh, with these people who are making this decision. Let's repeat after me. God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Right now, Lord, I accept Jesus into my heart. I make you Lord and Savior over the rest of my life. From today on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just put our hands together for all those who made that decision. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.